Hey everyone, welcome to Be The Change. My name is Lily Mott, and today I'm going to be talking about how change comes when you aren't afraid to ask for help. My guest this week is Rochelle Prasad, who, among many other roles, is the founder of Spark Foundation Canada, an author and an educator. I had the opportunity to talk with Rochelle about her passion for service and education, and I came out of the conversation so inspired by her energy and her commitment to making the world a better place. I really enjoyed this conversation with Rochelle, so without further ado, let's get started with this episode featuring Rochelle Prasad. Yeah, no worries. Hello again. My name is Rochelle Shear and pronouns. I'm currently calling in from the unceded and traditional territories of the Coast Salish peoples. Um, before I get started on any interview or anything in general, I always like to acknowledge um, where I come from. So my ancestors and why I am and who I am and the way I am today. And it's truly because of um, the privileges I have as a human being, first of all, but also throughout the journeys that my ancestors been uh, through. So my ancestors came from North India and uh, they were indentured slaves to Fiji, the Pacific Islands. Um, and then that's where my parents were born. And from Fiji, uh, during a coup about 30 years ago, they moved to Canada um, and they moved to Canada because they have so much respect for the Coast Salish peoples and the Aboriginal ways of being. And uh, my ancestors worked alongside them to bring home a family and here I am today. So I'd love to honor my ancestors and the Coast Salish peoples for having me. I have such amazing privilege to live, work and play on their land. So huge shout out to them. And um, that's where most of my work stems from. It's my heritage, my ancestry, and it's all connected to education. So who am I really? I am a 23 year old who is very enthusiastic about um, sustainable development goal number four. My whole motto in life if life is to empower the next generation through quality life education. And I'm sure we're going to go more into that later on, but that's me in a nutshell. Thank you for giving me that little introduction in a nutshell. And I am so excited to dive deeper into your background and the work that you've been doing. So can you tell me a little bit more about your story and how you got to this point of being so passionate about education and the work you're doing now? Yeah, sounds good. It's going to be a run-on sentence, so let's just call it a story. <laughs> it started in grade three. I had an amazing teacher. Her name was Miss Dillon, and I grew up in Surrey, British Columbia. And um, this grade three teacher, she believed that everyone is good, no matter what they think they are. They are good human beings, and she believed in bringing out that goodness in people. So in grade three, we did a very simple field trip. It was baking cookies for a local fire department. It's like the cheesy old, you know, foundational one, but it, it really did teach us a lot in grade three. It taught us how to be compassionate and empathetic and what it really means to volunteer for our, for others that are doing great things in the community. So I remember walking, it was just down the street. So walking to the fire station with the cookies and talking to the firefighters and seeing how, how, how amazing they are and the work that they do and how we can support and work with, with each other, et cetera, bake them more cookies every week. So that's where it kind of started, that passion for wanting to help others are doing really great things and learning something in return. So it's that knowledgeable exchange. And um, that's starting grade three. So at home, I've learned that it takes a village to raise a child and that community is where it's at. You need to support the community in order for 
myself to have that support system. So those values and morals were coming from home, but the action oriented piece was coming from school, from my educators. And um, so to sum up, no, I won't sum it up. I'll give you the in-depth and you can cut it out. Um, okay, so that's grade three and then grade four, five, six, seven. The, the story there is that I had the same teacher, Miss Dylan, and throughout the years, we were able to do more community oriented things. So either it'd be baking cookies or it'd be fundraisers like bottle drives, um, just uh, making sandwiches and actually sitting down with people who are, um, who, who need help at the time and listening to their stories and seeing, um, instead of handing out food, being there for them and seeing how we can work alongside each other to give each other a hand up and not a handout. Um, so just little switches like that was, it did, it did wonders, not only for myself, but for my peers. And that's where all of that passion stemmed from, that, that class, that teacher, uh, shout out to Ms. Dillon, she, <laughs> I owe her half of my life, it's, it's, it's insane. Um, and then in grade six, grade seven, still volunteering, still doing all that good stuff. And this is also the years of assemblies in elementary school, we have a lot of assemblies. And normally a grade six or grade seven class gets chosen to put on an assembly. So our class got chosen to put on an assembly. And since our class got chosen, each uh, little kid, well, not little, we're preteens, we get, we get a role. So each of us got assigned a role. And my role was to invite a guest speaker since our assembly was themed on empowering people to do good things in, in the world. And so I turned to my parents and I said, are you available just to come speak to to like 700 kids, you know, like don't, don't sweat it. My parents were like, we're working and they're probably threw up. <laughs> so while they're talking, I'm like, okay, no, that's fine. So I turned to my doctor, Dr. Green. I'm like, you save lives for a living. So you want to talk about what you do, you know, whether what's good um, in your career. And he was, he was um, not available. He's a doctor, pretty busy saving lives, <laughs> understandable. And then I had a crazy wacky thought. I was like, okay, I really look up to Diane Watts, which was our uh, mayor for our city of Surrey way back in the day. And um, I just admired all the work she did as just, just a self-identified uh, woman, but in the political realm as well, because it was never about the politics for her. It was about community engagement and that humane aspect of it, which I appreciated. So I called up her office and, and I was a grade seven. So imagine like a, how tall was I? Four feet or something? I would tell you on a week. And I, I didn't know exactly what to say or do. So I called up the her secretary's office and I said, hello, <laughs> I was just a kid from Cinder Ridge Elementary just down the street from the city hall wondering if uh, Diane Watts, I didn't even say honorable Diane Watts, who teaches you that, right? And and then and the secretary was like, oh yeah, she'll give you a call back next week. And I was like, oh my goodness, really? And okay, so this was on like a Thursday or Friday it's a long time ago I don't remember and then the following week on a Monday I think it was a Monday or Tuesday somewhere around there I got I was in math class and it was we we're on rotation in grade six so then it was it was with a different teacher Miss Dylan wasn't there so the phone rings and then everyone thought that it was for like the goofball in the class got in trouble going to the principal's office whatever but it was for me so <laughs> It was, it was a big shock. So everyone's like, you're shot. What did you do? It's like, I don't know. So I, I slowly walk over to the teacher and she puts it on speakerphone. She said, everyone might want to hear this. I'm like, okay, okay. What could this be? I thought my mom was dropping off lunch or something. I was like, cool. Um, but it happened to be the Honorable Diane Watts and she was like, hey, what's going on? I would love to come and talk to your school. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> and that's where I really noticed at a young age that if I put my mind to anything, I could truly do it. It doesn't matter if I'm talking to 
the next president of the United States or my next door neighbor. It's, it's all about connecting with people and honing in on their skills to impact others as well. And it's networking now that I know that word. Yeah, long story short, Diane Watts came. Uh, she talked about her child and how her child um, at the time went to Kenya and she explained how global interactions focus and interact with local. And it was so, it was so cool. It was cool. I was really proud of Diane and um, what she had to bring in. Now she's one of my mentors, which is even more cooler, uh, if that's even a word. So that was elementary school. So I'm very impacted by my teachers, the community, and I'm figuring out little by little what it is that I'm passionate about. Um, since I didn't know back in the day what I wanted to be when I grew up. Okay, so high school. Grade eight, grade nine are normally the years of like a normal teenager's life where they're trying to figure out who the heck they are. Like identity crisis, you know, you buy the wrong color, you freak out one night. That's how it goes. Um, so I went through the same thing. But what I also went through is I was really into leadership conferences in high school and my friends weren't. So I used to do this, do this trick where I put all their names in a hat. I picked one. I'm like, you're coming with me. So I pulled one of those names and her name was Amin. And Amin and I were conference buddies for the next four years. But specifically in grade eight, grade nine, uh, I noticed that there was a lot of youth crime in our city and that there was specifically a lot of youth crime around the high schools that we were in. It was in Surrey City Center. So we decided along with another friend we met at a conference to create, um, at the time it was like a council and it was called the Surrey Youth Safety Council. And they were able to reduce youth crime by 2%, which is amazing for our city. There's over 5,000 people that move in every year. And we're going to reach close to a million in population by 2025. So 2% may not seem a lot, um, but it was a lot to us back in the day. Uh, long story short there, that was that. And we handed it off to the next sort of cohort to keep it going. Um, and for me, I don't like to stay in one place for too long. If I notice that someone else has got it, they've got the knowledge. Why don't I just inspire them and say, you can do it and run with it. So that was that. And okay, so grade 10, 11, and 12 got super bored with where I live only because there's only so much research you can do about the place you live. <laughs> so I got super bored. I knew all the, I was such a nerd about my city back in the day. I knew all the like the stats on people living here, the like the countries they're from, language they speak, the diversities that are everything you can. I don't know what I was doing, but it was good work. I, I really liked knowing um, how the city functioned, et cetera. And then I said, okay, I think I need to get out of this place and just see what's, what's, what's in the world. So I really wanted to go to Ecuador and Kenya specifically with a charity, which I will no longer name because I'm no longer affiliated with them. Uh, but they basically take uh, young people from across Canada on international volunteer trips. And I went with them twice for three and a half weeks per trip. And it was great. But now that I reflect on it, there's, there's a whole bunch of things I could talk about later. But so it was great while I was there. Uh, we learned about how the economy works in both countries, the, the gaps that they're facing. Uh, but most importantly, what I took away from those two trips is the, the gaps that I was able to notice back home by looking at the gaps that I noticed across the world. So I noticed that back home that we're, we're lacking hardcore life education. So that means in high school and elementary schools, we're not learning how to do our taxes, which is which sounds pretty crazy, and or how to network or how to, well, when I was in high school, we didn't really learn how to public speak or even just build a proper resume. We had a class 
called Planning 10, but it wasn't really as form-fitted as it should be to prepare a young person for the real world. And I, that's when I came back home. So it's grade 12 now. And in the background, we already had a club called We Team. And that was when we were doing a bunch of fundraisers, life education. But in grade 12, when I came home, this was two years into that club. At high school, I pulled on Minnesota and I said, we need to do something bigger. We're about to graduate. We can't take a high school club with us to university. And we created an organization called the Spark Foundation. And Spark Foundation started when we were 14. We finalized it being a nonprofit in grade 12 slash first year uni. And now it's been seven and a half years. Um, and what Spark Foundation does is empower the next generation through life education workshops, camps, and community engagement events. So we go in, uh, fill in those gaps that the kids are not necessarily catching in the education system, um, only because teachers only have so much time and it's it's not really their fault it's more more so politics and the system itself and it's just uh, so many so many levels of oppression there but that's what spark does and i've had the privilege of traveling all across the world teaching kids what it means to live out their morals and values and refining them um i've written a book about my life which is so weird to say but it's meant to um impact young people to to find out what they're passionate about and all that good stuff. Um, and that leads me to today. So what am I doing? I currently, I just retired from Spark Foundation, handed it off to the next uh, CEO. And um, that was a huge part of my life. So it's it's going to be very weird <laughs> continuing on and just being that grandmother that comes and knocks on their door for cookies here and there. But um, what I currently do is I'm writing a second book called Good Boy Bear. I have a dog named Bear. It may be about the dog, but it's more so about community engagement and how to be a a thoughtful citizen through companionship and how to build that support system for kids. Um, so on two committees, one is a provincial one and one is a municipal one. And what else am I doing on the community? Oh, I'm running for politics in 2022 in October for our municipal council. Is this Diane Watts' fault? Maybe a little bit for inspiring me, but I truly do believe like politicians are great and all, but that I really want to break the stereotype of the typical politician. Um, educators can go into that realm too. That's what I'm currently in school for to become a high school teacher. Um, but I really believe that that's where I'm supposed to be right now. I'm supposed to be um, someone of that nature, um, really being the voice for young people. And sorry, only, again, only because when I look up at council, there's no one that looks like me and or is around my age and or thinks with diversity and inclusion. And we're really lacking that in our city. And it's, it's growing a little bit too fast, too, too quickly here. So we need more young people on there. And that is where I am. And we'll talk about the UN once you get to it. Thank you so much for sharing that whole story. And I'm glad that you mentioned Bear um, because I think he might have a little feature in the background of this episode. I definitely want to get to the UN work, but would first love to know if there's any advice that you've gotten that's been really formative or really influential to you and your work. Do you have a motto or any words that you try to live by? Does anything like that come to mind for you? Yeah, two pieces of advice. One of them came from my, he wasn't even my manager. I used to work for the city of Surrey back in the day. Just a random staff walking in the hallways. But what he said stood out to me. Um, he said, oh, it's just so simple, but it's it's bizarre that I've always remembered this. Never be afraid to ask for help. <laughs> Never be afraid to ask for help. And it's, I don't know why, but after I heard that piece of advice, I've always been very authentic in my communication, asking for help when I need it and or don't think I need it. And it's just that 
that bridging gap of, yeah, I don't know it all, but I also need to realize if I don't know it all, who am I going to ask for help? And um, that's how you grow as a person as well. And the second piece of advice, there's a lot of free pieces of advice I've got, <laughs> but I think the second piece of advice would actually be, oh, always have an inspirational quote in your back pocket. That one was a great one as well. It helps others, helps you, it keeps the day going. I love both of those pieces of advice, and I'd love to circle back now and talk about your work with the United Nations. So I know that you mentioned SDG4, and I would love to know more about that work with the UN, and I think I saw that you're working as an intern. So tell me more about that role and the work that you're doing there. Yeah, true thing. I wasn't even looking for an internship, so I bypassed the interview, went straight into the headquarters, and said, what's good? Um, How did I get that? Keyword, networking. Uh, I was actually with Spark Foundation doing some young entrepreneur stuff with UNA Canada. And they're like, this kid right here, we want this one. I was like, okay, sure, let's do it. But SDG4, what in the world do I do um, with the UN is I have the complete privilege of developing curriculum for educators worldwide on SDG4 and also on how to teach every single SDG and or how to teach the UN in our classroom. So I get to meet with educators from everywhere. Um, let them know what the UN is doing and how we can support them and vice versa, as well as we had a really cool program called the Rahim Alfara, a fellowship journalism program, a RAF for short. And this was a program where journalists from, selected journalists from all across the world um, had the opportunity to, they would have flown in if it wasn't for COVID, but we did a virtual session on meeting a bunch of different investors, the SG, the uh, PGA, and amazing world leaders and just interviewing them, talking to them, getting the inside scoop on what the UN is doing and um, how we can help the world. So those are the two projects I have been working um, with them on and UN work is super cool. Went to New York for a week just to see where I've been working remotely from for the past little bit. Yeah, wow, it, it took me off my feet. It's the UN is such a beautiful place to be um, inside and out. If you walk into the UN, there's, have you been to the UN before? Yeah, it, it was wonderful. Yeah, it was beautiful. Yeah. It, it's it's like everything that you imagine. But yeah, it was yeah. amazing. <laughs> right? And then all the different countries and everyone. I don't even know how to explain it, but they all have gifts and things that they bring. It's cool. I'll leave it at that. That's so great to hear about all that work. And I'm so excited to see where all of those connections and all of those experiences take you because it just sounds amazing. So I have one last question for you. Lots of young people, particularly college students, high school students, want to create change and they want to make a difference in the world, but they may not know how or maybe where to get started. Do you have any advice for those people who may be listening? I got two quotes and uh, two pieces of advice, so I'll uh, sandwich it in the middle. So, okay, so the first quote is, age doesn't matter when it comes to making a difference. And the second thing is, if you don't know where to start, think about what you're really passionate about and what things you're skilled at and not so skilled at. So make a list what you're passionate about, what you're skilled at, what you're not so skilled at and and or need to work on, then figure out who's already doing that in your community. Go volunteer with them. Get out there. See see where your niche is, where your flow is. And um, after you find that, see if there's a need for what you want to do in your community. Um, Also, something else I'd in there is if there's a need, then, then work on it. If there's not really a need, then you need to really question internally, why are you doing what you're doing for your community? Is it because of something internally that you're going through or is it actually because you want to do something for the community and uh, last one at least a long quote by margaret mead and it's never doubt that a small group of thoughtful committed citizens can change the world indeed that's the only thing that ever has um and that's one of my favorites that's all i have 
I really enjoyed this conversation with Rochelle, and I think that even in this audio podcasting format, you can hear just how much energy she brought to this interview and how much fun she was to talk to. I want to highlight one really important point that Rochelle made, because I think it's one that people don't talk about enough. It is so important as a person who is learning and growing, as we all are, to ask for help. We are never going to have all of the answers, and we're going to make mistakes and get things wrong sometimes. What's important, though, is learning to ask for help so you can learn and grow and become a better version of yourself. Rochelle learned from so many mentors and role models, and you can bet that she asked for their help or advice many, many times. Because she asked them for help, she's now in a position where she can help others. So it's really coming full circle for Rochelle, and I think she's really living by her own words of advice, which is always something I'm a fan of. So I think we can all follow Rochelle's lead with this because change comes when you aren't afraid to ask for help. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and you can connect with Rochelle on Instagram at Rochelle Prasad and you'll be able to find all of the information about her campaign and Spark Foundation Canada from the website linked in the description of this episode and from her Instagram profile. If you want to talk about anything I mentioned, please reach out to me by email at lily at bethechangepodcast.org or on Instagram at bethechangepodcast. Tune in for my next episode, but until then... Be the change you wish to see in the world. Bye, guys.